0: And we're back. Welcome to episode two of the Canadian Dropshippers podcast. I'm Sam, and today I'm joined here by Chris today. How you doing, man? Do well. Do well. Yeah, we're just trying to get away from the rain now because it's kind of nuts outside. It's been just soaking wet for the past 24 hours, and it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. Uh, but it's, you know what? It's gloomy, but uh, I don't know why. I always get sales on rainy days. <laughs> Make it rain, right? Um <laughs> But uh so today I was gonna do this podcast uh, for you guys on like um supply research and whatnot but I thought that you know what we can dedicate entire episodes to just that alone but there needs to be a special episode just dedicated to how we approach niche selection yeah I feel like uh, not many people are good at niche selection right now, especially beginners I get that there's a lot of confusion there's a lot of um there's a lot of like just just Contradicting info everywhere, right? You'll, you'll. I'll have newcomers come into the DSL group. Now, these aren't people that have joined the DSL course and they're in the C D S L group, but I'll have newcomers come in into the DSL group, and they'll tell me that, uh, hey, so yeah, I'm Canadian and I want to learn how to dropship and um, should I be using. Um, AliExpress for my products or should I be using Oberlo? Do you guys do Oberlo or wholesale to b oh or Amazon God. or or oh, those <laughs> you, questions. Yeah, you can hear Chris groaning in the background. It's not, it's not because these are dumb questions, um, but it's just that we've been asked these questions so many times, so, 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 so many times um, that we have to give the same answer to them every single time. And the answer is this, don't.
1: Yeah, it's just a matter of you know, do you want to sell like high quality products, or do you want to sell something that? Well, it might be easy to source. You might not um, have the best customer service experience, and that's not really your fault. It might just be because like the product's low quality, or the shipping might take forever. Or,
0: or even if the product is, even if you get a high quality product from Alibaba, but you know what? Where's the margins at now? True, true, right. Because all these places, what they're doing now is that they're scamming you. Alibaba, AliExpress, Wholesale2B, Doba, Worldwide Brands, uh, Salehoo. I'm naming these off the top of my head, right? All these places, they say, pay us this or join this in a monthly fee or one-time fee or no fee, but we'll set up a website for you or get access to our list of suppliers and blah, blah, blah. And they they push forward this notion that um, in order to have a niche, you can't even go about a niche unless you join one of these directories which will then provide you a supplier list for that specific niche. From So right off the bat, just listen to the end of this podcast. You'll know how to pick a great niche, but don't. Don't go on to AliExpress and don't go to Doba and don't. Okay, I want you to block those websites. I want you to never go on them again. I don't want you to think about them. From now on, the only website you go to when it comes to niches is Google. That's it. Yeah, and- Google and every other variation of Google.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry about that, Sam. like, um, the, the whole Oberlo model, too, it's just, like, it's all a bunch of generic products that no one really is, like, super, like, passionate about, and it's, it's hard to be, like, a specific niche store with generic products that are coming from, like, Amazon or wherever. Yeah,
0: and you've seen the shipping times for these places. If you're not in Asia, it's, like, said, like, uh, 30 days before it ships. Yeah, it's not gonna work. No, no, it's not gonna work, and what kind of products are you getting, like, $8 t-shirt and handbags, like? Yeah like basically. Well,
1: I remember um in, like in my previous stores like I had um AliExpress or Alibaba people actually contacting me to like yeah. saying, "Hey, can I be one of your suppliers?" and I was always really skeptical because I was running a really specific type of um like um market within my niche. Yeah. So I didn't necessarily want to muck it up with a bunch of like yeah. lower end Alibaba stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly, right? And the fact is that you may have said it, heard me say it before. I, me personally, I'm very skeptical of working with any suppliers from China because it's just the reputation of China as uh, where all the cheap products come from now, where all the bad quality products come from now, and because just there's a the lack of communication that goes on there. Uh, again, I'll say it again. Google is your best friend. I don't want you to even talk about going to AliExpress or Doba or Salehoo or any of these other places. Within which they will allow you to choose a niche with a supplier directory.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just really it's just that there's plenty of suppliers out there with really great products, and you don't need to necessarily go to Alibaba to just you know find someone that's on the other side of the planet. You can find someone within your area that will ship faster. And honestly,
0: most suppliers aren't even on these directories because these guys they they they're actually running their businesses right. Um, but you know what? So when we get into niche selection, there's a few key criteria we like to follow. So I'm going to go through those criteria. But the first one that I think we should focus on is pricing. Because pricing is a huge, huge criteria. All right. Don't, uh, I'll just say it off the off the bat, don't go into niches or at least look, look, keep this as a rule of thumb. Between $200 to $1,000, that's where your range of pricing should be for the product you're considering. Don't go into niches where the average price point of the product is below $200. Um, you can do above $1,000, but the reason I'm saying 200 to to 1000 right now is because it's a lot easier to sell between $200 to $1,000 uh, like products between that price range than it is to sell above it because above it, when you're selling like over $1,000 um, per product or whatever, People expect they're handheld. You might have to do more salesmanship. You might have to show better service. You might have to actually be by the phone a lot more and be calling these people and like um, calling manufacturers and answering questions. And it's it does take a lot of work. But hey, you know what? The money's there, and if you're willing to put in the efforts and you've got the guts for it, go ahead and do it. But for the majority of people who just want to make passive income that keeps coming in uh, repeatedly, consistently, two hundred to a thousand dollars is where I say you go into. Um not just for that alone, but also for margins, right? Because what are your margins on a product below two hundred dollars on an average price? What's your margin on a thirteen dollar product or an eighty dollar product? At most per sale you might make anywhere between a dollar to seventy. Seventy dollars doesn't seem bad, right? But when your average price point is between two hundred to a thousand dollars per sale you could be making easily four hundred, five hundred dollars. Keep in mind, it takes the same amount of work to sell a $10 t-shirt as it does to sell a $500 uh, wine cooler, okay? It takes the same amount of work, nothing different at all. The only thing that's different is the amount of money you make per sale. So, for that reason, stay between niche prices of $200 to $1,000. That's one reason. Another reason why is because it caters to people that, that make considerable income at home. And when they, when they buy online, they're comfortable buying online with their credit cards. They're comfortable making these large purchases. You don't have to haggle with these people. When you build your websites the way we recommend you to build your websites, uh, the way DSL recommends you build your websites, so you have conversions and coupons and countdown timers and uh, a deep discount on your page, that, which with a rotating clock, which basically just sinks your customers right there. Nobody else can offer it. You're like your own store. Only you can do this stuff. That's how you get in. That's how you do it. All right, um, but you know what? I I know uh, Chris is dying to get a word in here, so I'm gonna let him. Well, I th-
1: I think a lot of what you said right now is really like on point there. So there's that, and also it's just um, you don't want to go with Ali suppliers just because it's the same thing as Anton saying, right? You have your your bronze, silver, and gold suppliers. More yeah. Typically speaking, uh-huh. the the AliExpress or Alibaba suppliers will be bronze, bronze suppliers. Um, if you want to get gold, you need to think about. You need to, like, have a niche, right? You That niche has to be specific enough to where it's not, like, a general thing, and it has to not be, like... You can't compete with Amazon, right? So you need to have more unique products. You have to have something more unique than something that would just show up on Wayfair, you know? Um, I mean, yes, you can carry some Wayfair products, like, that would be, like, on your store, but if that's where a majority are coming from, that's probably going to be bronze and silver sup- suppliers. Mm-hmm. Um... I mean that, but that's just my little piece about the pricing aspect of it. Um, we can also talk about like the target market too. Um, so you you know you have uh, you know maybe like hair care products for instance. Um, if you choose your niche wisely, you can think like well what what about within hair hair care is going to be like more specific. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to really pull this out of thin air. But if you but get, it's like
0: it's like demographics, so. right?
1: Yeah, like I'm I'm just trying to pull this out of thin air. Like if you had like. Uh, you know, certain stuff that was, like, um, more of, um, for, like, a certain style or look, you could, um, you know, take those products and market it towards the people who like to have that type of hairstyle, for instance, like, uh you know that you have the greasers that want to do like that little flippy thing with their (laughs) hair or whatever yeah you can like get a bunch of those like you know matte paste or whatever they use to style their hair and it's it's more specific of a niche so then you can sell related products and stuff they into like their dressers or whatever
0: and you know what the more niche down you get the better it is um but that's where the caveat the caveat being your markets large enough um so this all all if when i talk about niching down or when we talk about niching down we it's assuming that you're in like a US market or something. Mm-hmm. In a Canadian market, I would always say like niche up a bit cuz you 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 have 35 million people in Canada, so you're going to have to broaden your store a bit just so you can like interest a larger number of people with related products on that same store, right? But exactly what you mean. And not to mention when we when we're trying to find a niche, we want to find niche niches that cater to people mostly in the upper middle class. Mm-hmm right because you can sell to the wealthy i'm not saying don't like go ahead sell to the wealthy they obviously have disposable income but they expect their handheld through the whole process because if they're buying uh going back to my previous point about like selling over a thousand dollars they want their hand held Mm -hmm. um upper middle class uh, they have disposable income you know combined family income of maybe eighty thousand a year or more um they're they're okay making large purchases online they can um it's not too much hassle they're fine going on their computer and then just you know going to your store picking an item and buying um but you know upper upper middle class that's where it's at i don't want to offend anyone by saying don't target the lower class it's not my purpose um or my intention to offend but the reason i'm saying you don't want to sell to uh like lower income uh, like lower income demographic here is because you're gonna be and i can promise you because i've dealt with it you're gonna be on the phone a lot Uh, people are gonna try to bargain and hassle with you you're gonna deal with a high number of returns you're gonna deal with people looking for a a deal on a three dollar you know iPhone case it's gonna be nuts you're gonna tear your hair out and at the end of the day what kinda sales are you gonna be making you're gonna need like a thousand let's just say you were selling three dollar iPhone cases you're gonna need to sell a thousand units of those three dollar iPhone cases to make what I would make from just selling ten of my $300 products, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it just goes back to the point of like, okay, where well, I can get a bunch of cheaper AliExpress products, but when I run my promotions and coupons, it really devalues what I'm yeah. carrying because my products are already pretty cheap anyway. And,
0: and you can't even run promotions and coupons with AliExpress products because your margin's like 5% or 10%, that's it. Okay. And then what? You that can thing. offer a 10% discount and you're making... you. If you are lucky, you were gonna make twenty bucks a sale. Now you're lucky, you're gonna make five bucks a sale. But guess what? There's gonna be some dude in China who's happy to live on one dollar that you can't, and he's gonna slash the prices so low yep. that there's <laughs> no map. There's there's no map. There's nothing. You can't you can't survive. Um, but you know that's that's why target picking your target market is very important because it ties in directly with the price of your niche. Okay. So so far, just remember two things. Two hundred to a thousand—that's your range. Upper middle class—that's who you're targeting. Okay. Um, one more thing I want to focus on is brand loyalty. Mm. All right, Chris has sold a lot of brand loyal products, so I'm going to give this one to him.
1: Okay, so uh, brand loyalty—it's—it's um, it's one thing if you um, want to, you know, buy something that's semi-generic or you know, like a household item that you don't necessarily have like an affiliation with a brand to but the brand loyal to you, um, it really depends, um, you know, with your suppliers at least. Cause I know there's like some household names that I see like across like certain niches. And I feel like I'd be kind of intimidated to try to contact them as a supplier and try to get them on board. But sometimes these household names are just really used to being online. Like, uh, I'll take cameras, for example, mm-hmm. I see a lot of, uh, camera shops that are carrying Nikon and, uh, you know, the Canon, uh, cameras, but, um, they have to like either be like really used to drop shipping models or they must work out some type of agreement with them because like that's a very household name but i feel like i see a lot yeah. of e-commerce of that
0: yeah i've seen like so many in the uh, kitchen industry as well like there's there's like um, like Danby, I, I never would have thought Danby uh, is a supplier because I see, I've see i seen Danby products like everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And people get them from Best Buy and I'm like, oh, wow, I can actually drop ship for Danby? That's pretty cool. Yeah. And you can call them. They're very nice people. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, exactly, right? Not to mention too, like with your niche, you um, when you're picking your niche products, stay away from brand loyal products in general. Supplier wise, you can get intimidated, but don't. Call them all. But Niche wise, uh, I want you to stay away from niches that may lend themselves towards being brand loyal. Yeah. What does that mean? It means electronics, okay? Don't sell electronics. Why? One, they break. They require customer service, might need repairs or warranty or something else. And guess what? That's on you. The customer's going to go to you, not the supplier. Uh, it's just more work for you. Second, there's brand loyalty attached to them. If someone wants to buy a tablet, they're either going to go with Android or Apple, they might go with a Windows you know Windows surface or whatever um, but they already know what they're gonna buy they don't need to go to a store or they don't need to go anywhere why because effective advertising if I want to buy a laptop I already know in my head it's either gonna be an HP or it's gonna be an Apple there's really nothing else for me right mm-hmm. uh, unless like I I'm I'm into something like a Chromebook or something like that but uh, it's either one of those two if I want a phone it's <laughs> gonna be an Android or it's gonna be an iPhone might be a Windows phone but see again three brands
1: you know, Sam, I, I don't know if this is also something of concern, too, but when you bring up brand loyalty and you're, you know, you're doing your market research, if you happen to try to contact these uh, um, suppliers that are really, like, affiliated with the brand loyalty within your niche and they reject you, would the, would you feel like that's also an obstacle to overcome?
0: I, it depends as a larger whole, mm-hmm. right? Because some niches, like, for example, take the home appliance niche again. mm mm-hmm. People might be very brand loyal to Danby, or they might not be. I know that there's a difference between um, a supplier being dominant in a niche as opposed to a supplier having brand loyalty. Having brand loyalty, exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Danby is pretty dominant in the uh, kitchen appliance niche, but I don't. As a consumer, ask yourself, right? If I were to want a kitchen appliance right now, let's say a wine cooler or a or a fridge. Is your mind immediately going towards Danby? I I don't think so. Yeah, no. People just go online. They search for the cheapest one. So you have to ask yourself as a consumer, like if as a consumer you were to buy this niche or you were to think of this niche, does your mind gravitate towards a certain brand? Like there's no science behind it. You just have to look at your own experience as a consumer and see if you can uh, um, find out if there's a brand you might be unconsciously loyal to and then you'll know, hey, this niche uh, lends itself towards brand loyalty. For that reason, I also say don't do clothes why there is a little brand loyalty attached to it, but uh also clothes are just nuts, high return rates and very cyclical. Don't do any personal items at all, just just don't huge, huge return rates, no bedding, no bed sheets, no bracelets, no clothing, no electronics, okay
1: a oh, lesson learned there
0: <laughs> yeah, Chris had a lot Chris had an experience with one of his stores he was selling bedding, and yeah oh yeah, he learned,
1: yeah, but um. Well yeah okay so i guess the uh the next biggest point of uh, contention for niche selection would be competitiveness um and i think sam has a pretty good piece on this one
0: yeah you know what uh, competitiveness is uh it's kind of what my specialty is right now uh i made it a very i made it very clear that i was leaving the um the american niches the american market because i've been in it for a while i did pretty good at it but it's just so competitive. There, 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 was a lack of competition here in Canada, which really appealed to me. Also, the fact that nobody's really done it in Canada to a large extent. And I thought, you know what, we could do it. I could do it. Like, let's let's you know, let's give it a shot because there's niches in the United States in which if you go to Google Shopping, that's how I measure my competition within the niche. All right, this is what you do. Let's say I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys a sample niche that's between two hundred to a thousand dollars. Don't do this niche, by the way. Okay? I'll show up at your door if you're doing this niche because <laughs> it's a bad niche. But uh, it's a very bad niche. But let's say, let's say sofas. Okay? Don't do sofas. But if you were, it's between 200 to a $1,000. Sure. You know, uh, middle to high-end sofas. Um, they can be drop-shipped. They're also extremely saturated. If you go to, if you type in sofas and in Google and you go to the shopping tab, look at, it'll show you how many stores are selling it. And it's going to be like between Fifty to a hundred stores, hundred to two hundred stores. And Chris is searching this right now. It's gonna be between. Let me verify this. Yeah, okay. it's gonna be between like hundred plus stores, right? Then we do the same thing in Canada, right? You gotta if you're if you're in Canada doing this in like you want to see the American results, you gotta get a VPN. Um, yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah, I'm about to give a quick shameless plug in here. Yeah, check out um, CyberGhost. Uh, uh, you can get a free trial from them. They're in our recommended resources. The, they're pretty great. Uh, but, uh, so, look, Chris just searched it up. Well, there he, you go. But you he's mean, in but Canada. Yeah,
1: to beat the VPN thing, right? So, yeah, like, but,
0: but look, like, tell me, what's the, uh, show me Show me the uh, shopping tab here. How many stores does it say?
1: Uh, well, let's see, if I pull up one product, uh, for this one product alone, just, just I see, like, 50 plus.
0: 50 plus, right? hmm Let me see. Yep. 50 plus. Yeah, there we go. Right? And now, if we uh, switch back to Canada here let's uh just check out canada for a bit all right let's look at this just one store all right this is sofas highly saturated mm-hmm. just one store in canada right now selling for one sofa like and let me see it's, it's mostly it's like between 3 to 5 stores that's the benchmark point if you're selling within the united states as a canadian don't go into niches where the competition on Google Shopping is more than between um, ten to twenty five stores. At twenty five stores, I'm like a little iffy. It's a maybe niche. Uh, anything below twenty five stores on average are selling them, then yeah, you know it's not that competitive. But in Canada, oh my god,
1: yeah, this, either there's nobody, the blessed keywords. Yeah, if they're not expensive, then jump on it. If there's a hundred, you know, two hundred suppliers for a store, then man, you better bet those keywords are expensive for you're bidding on.
0: Yeah, and you know, there's like. Like at most I've ever seen for sofas right now is that there's five stores selling um, a particular brand of sofa online within this country. So competitiveness is huge. (laughs) Um, So take care of that, okay? One more item I want to add here um, and that's weight, okay? This is uh, something that you should uh, maybe once you've gone through all the other uh, demographics and targeting uh, things we've given you, think of weight as something to maybe be your... uh, how should I say this, uh, tiebreaker, I'd say.
1: Well, yeah, you, you look at it just for the, the sake of costing out your products, right? Yeah. Especially as a Canadian.
0: Even if you were selling in the United States, mm-hmm. the weight, the weight is very important because what uh, what's like the shipping cost on this? A sofa, that's why I told you don't do sofas. They're furniture, they're very heavy. Shipping alone, it takes freight, LTL. It's gonna be pallet fees charged most likely. Um, you're not gonna be. It's gonna need more than one person to deliver it. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're gonna be like paying an extra 400 dollars on shipping alone. And since we um, since we recommend uh, that you guys offer free shipping on your stores, having that like you know four hundred, five hundred dollar charge. That's gonna eat into your margins pretty significantly. you might even not walk away with much profit on one sale, if any at all. That's not a fun thing to experience, right um my My thing is always that you want to pick light products, all right light products that you can ship without much without much shipping costs. My buddy he does he in the niche he's in I mean he's literally selling these products they're they're expensive, but they weigh like the heaviest weighs like three pounds, yeah, all right. The guy pays like 15 bucks for shipping most. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. yeah, it's nuts. You have to have to have that. Um, so make your make weight like something that uh, should be a tiebreaker for you at least, or if something like you're starting to think of a few niches, um, just be cognizant that you know you want to go with someone that is very light, something that's very light because you're going to sh- save a lot of money on just shipping fees alone.
1: Yeah, and I guess that goes to our our last point and all of your qualifying factors, whether that be pricing, target market, brand loyalty, competitiveness, or weight. We want to talk about our last one, which is uh, hobby niches, right? Mm. So in the the aspect of of, uh, creating content um, surrounded to drive traffic to your page, hobby niches really do lend themselves to be a little bit easier to write about. Um, if and they I'm, have repeat buyers. Yeah, and you have repeat buyers too. So, like, okay, if you're selling, like, freaking, like, lead piping, like, like as an industrial B2B, like, type of mm. drop shipping store, do you, how many, like, interesting articles are you going to be able to pull people in about, like, <laughs> writing about lead pipes? I mean, I don't seriously. Know,
0: I mean, I could, I, honestly, me personally, I could do, like, <laughs> 10 articles. I'd be like, top 10 ways to decorate your home with lead piping. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, but then you're targeting the business aspect of it. Like, what am I supposed to tell another company that wants? lead piping <laughs> well yeah <laughs> you know, and then you
1: have your stand-up paddleboard people and yeah. like they're super into whatever sports they're into and the ocean uh, you could ride totally like and New you York do instagram
0: stuff. like crazy yeah. you know, facebook uh, create an interest group offer ebooks and these people will eat it up yeah they're passionate they love it it's just it's just the stuff right hell you know what like if i were to do a niche in chess mm. yep Chess? I don't know. Um, yeah. Sell really expensive chess boards, maybe? I don't oh, know. my
1: dad would freak out. He'd totally buy everything. Oh, really? Oh, he's okay, super into chess.
0: We're going to do it. We're going to do it. But, <laughs> 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 um, but uh, besides that, right? Like, look, chess... I would. I could create a group on Facebook for chess. I could have an Instagram page for the specific chess product I sell. I could have everything.
1: Yeah, you and, could find someone that would like write like the top ten ch- chess strategies to use to include into your arsenal. Yeah, use it as a lead magnet.
0: I could. We could even like, um, uh, create a just some content targeted towards people that are like, they they have a taste for high end sort of thing when they play chess. They want uh, exquisitely handcrafted pieces on the chessboard, you know, yeah. like the knight that actually looks like a knight or the horse that's like a dark horse or something, you like the artsy people that have yeah. money to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's just so many ways that you can do a hobby niche.
1: Yeah, even if it is competitive, you can like, you have your chess boards, right? And if it's, since it's a hobby niche, um, even if you're really comp- like uh, competing on those expensive keywords... You create some content to rank for that keyword, right? And you know that drives it into your your landing page. It's
0: such a good qualifying factor because if you're in a hobby niche, um, what ends up happening is that look. For example, if I'm doing furniture, there's not much else I can say about furniture than um, the amount of content you can put out for furniture. If I were doing a hobby niche, I could throw out just endless streams of content and. I, even if the competitive keywords they were high it doesn't matter because you have something unique It's not you. It's, it's not measurable per se, but you can just put out good quality content Just believe that content is king and you're doing it
1: mm-hmm.
0: Over and over you can take anyone. This is like hobby niches are one niche where if you're going after content marketing I really believe that you're not an a You're on an equal playing field where if you just work harder than other people in creating the content you will succeed.
1: We could probably make a whole entire episode on just what it means to do good content creation and making that sales funnel. But I guess the the point is that for niche selection at least, the, the hobby niche really lends itself for making it easier to drive traffic to your page. Yeah,
0: and repeated buyers, automatic sales, uh, people that are interested. Um, it's, it's just everything that you need to do on a normal e-commerce store. It's a lot easier done on a hobby e-commerce stores I don't know why it, it is just the way it is yeah right now I think that's uh, pretty much everything that uh, we wanted to cover today for niche select now that's pretty much everything I think uh, we wanted to cover today for niche selection um, let us know if you have any questions guys uh, post in the Facebook group and if you this is the first time you guys are hearing our podcast then check out our website at all one ca. Um, You can find us on Facebook. Just Google uh, the Facebook group Canadian Dropshippers. We're like number one in the search page. So so we got that going. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you later.